At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. You know, the story that Cassie read is the story of Abram to Abraham and God choosing a man out of all the people in the entire world, a man who wasn't even following after God, a man who was following false idols and God going to him, choosing him, saving him, setting him apart as a person for himself. And he named him Abraham because he would be the father of many nations. The nation that came out of Abraham is the nation of Israel. And the promise to Abraham was that God would bless him and that all of the families of the world will be blessed through the family of Abraham. And so today we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter, 100, uh, chapter 67 today. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 67 as we close out our series called Built for More. Now what we've been looking at within this series is we've been looking at the fact that the church of God is more than just coming together on the weekend. The church of God is not a building, but it is a people, a people that is set apart and called out from the rest of the world, called out from the rest of the world for a purpose, the purpose to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make God's name famous. What we're going to see in our text today is that God blesses his people in order that his people may bless the nations. That God blesses his people in order that his people may bless the nations. And so if you have a copy of God's word, please open to Psalms chapter 67. Psalms chapter 67. As we look at Psalm 67, it's such an incredible setup to, to hear the story of Abraham because that is where it all started, God blessing his people in order to bless the nations. And so let's read Psalm 67 together. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is such a powerful text for what God's people's ultimate goal should be as we are on this earth. And is that all the nations would praise and worship and bring glory to God's name. If we look throughout the Bible, we see continually that God does things in order that he may get glory, in order that there may be fame for his name. As we look at Psalms chapter 67, we're going to see three different ways in which God uses his people and blesses his people in order that we can bless the nations, in order that we can bless all the peoples of the earth. The first is that we are called as God's people to pray for God's blessings for the nations. To pray for God to bless the nations. And the blessing of the nation that we're praying for is that the Lord's gospel would go forth into the nations and would save many and that would transform lives and change eternities for the glory of God. The text starts out, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. 
So as you hear that, you, you may think back that that sounds really familiar to maybe a benediction that you've heard in church before, that somebody read at the end, or you've heard somebody put a blessing on you and just say a blessing over you, and you would be correct. This actually comes from Numbers, Numbers chapter 6, uh, and what it actually is, it's a blessing from Aaron that was given to Aaron, who was the first priest of Israel as, as the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, and it was given to he and his sons as priests over the nation of Israel in order to bless bless God's people. And so this is a blessing for God's people. So listen to this text. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel and you shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. You see, the psalmist here, he invokes this idea of blessing on the people of God. It's interesting, though, if you look at the two different texts, what the psalmist has done is that in verse 24, we see it say, the Lord bless you and keep you. We see the word you as, the, as Aaron and the priest would say this over the people of Israel. But if you look at Psalm 67, we see a change in the person here. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us us and make his face shine upon us. You see, what they're singing here, the, the song that they're singing is asking God to bless them. Isn't that interesting? They're asking God, please bless us. Now, I think when we think of this idea of blessing, we start to think about uh, maybe material things, or we start to think about that God blessing us means that everything is going to go perfect in our lives, or if a person is truly blessed, then they don't have any struggles or hardships, and that's not the reality. And the asking for the blessing does not uh, come from an idea of our own praise and our own glory. The asking of this blessing for a blessing on God's people is in order that God's people may reach the nations for Christ. See, this is what we're seeing within this blessing. It's really interesting here too, as you look at the text, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Well, how's he gonna do that? How is God gracious to us? How does God bless us? It says, and make his face shine upon us. We're reminded here of the character of our God, a gracious God, a God who gives us things that we don't deserve. Aren't you glad we have a God who gives us what we don't deserve, Amen. A gracious God bless us and make his face shine upon us. See, what this idea of making his face to shine upon us, it means that his, his gaze is upon you. He looks at you with favor and pleasure. He looks at, at you with, with this mercy and this grace that he has. It, it is God taking his gaze and putting it towards you. He has not turned away from you. He has not turned to something else. He is blessing us and putting his gaze upon us and putting his favor upon us. I want to tell you something today that I thought was profound as the Lord, uh, as the Lord continued to speak to me as I was studying this text. And it was the realization of what the blessings of God are. See, for the people of God, the blessings of God are God himself. That relationship that we get to have with God. I think it's easy to start looking at the things that God can offer and to start to look at all the things that we can get because of the Lord, salvation, and, 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 and all of these different aspects. But the reality is, is that the blessing of God for us is God himself in our lives. 
It is a relationship with God. Jesus in John chapter 17 defines eternal life like this. He says, this is life eternal that you may know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's eternal life. That's Jesus defining eternal life. Eternal life, the blessing of God, is a relationship with our God. That's incredible. That we as God's people get God. And that should cause us to praise and worship and thank the Lord. And so the people of God, they're asking for a blessing upon themselves, but they're doing it for a reason. Look at verse 2. That your way may be known on earth and your saving powers among all the nations. We see two reasons why the people of God ask for his blessing. The first is that God's way may be known on all the earth. The second is that his saving power may be known among all the nations. Isn't this an amazing perspective? Praying to God that he would bless us as his church, as his people, in order that we could bless the nations, in order that we could bring the gospel to the far reaches of the earth, in order that people would know that saving power only comes through Jesus Christ. It's an incredible perspective to think of this idea of God giving us blessing in order that the nations will be blessed through his people. That's what we see with Abraham. God comes to Abraham and he blesses him. And he says, and in you all the nations of the world will be blessed. Genesis 12, 2 through 3. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's purpose in his blessing to Abraham is that all the families of the world will be blessed. God has a very global perspective. It's interesting to think in the United States that we're the only people who are out there. You know, being an epicenter of the United States and a world power for so long, it's easy to just only focus on the United States. And it's where we live, and it's where we wake up every day, and it's where we should be investing into. It's what we should be praying for. We should be praying for our nation. We should be praying for our leadership. We should be praying for God to move in this country. We should be praying for revival, because we know that we need revival right now, because it is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to change the things that are going on in our world today. It is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that is going to transform people's hearts and lives. And it is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to bring blessing upon our nation. So we must be praying for our nation here in the United States. But I have to be real with you. I struggle with having a global perspective. I think about America. I think about the people of America. I think about the people of this church. I think about the people of the Metro Detroit area. And I think about people in my neighborhood and wanting them to hear the gospel. But I miss thinking about the nation's. It's so easy to wake up every single day and to only think about ourselves or to think about our families. And these are good things to think about, but if we are the people of God, we need to have a broader perspective. We need to have a global and biblical perspective, one that looks to the nations and prays for the nations, one that looks to the nations and prays for Christians throughout the world. 
One who looks to the nations and prays for God's name to be made famous in, in the remote tribes and in all of these different areas that, and to see the gospel go forth that, that people who've never heard the name of Jesus would hear the name of Jesus. The people of God have to have global perspective and to think through what God's plan is for the world. And what that does is it, it causes us to step back and realize that the world is not just about us. And it lets us step back and say, God, I get you. God, I get a relationship with you. Now, I want to do what you want. And you want the nations to be saved. You want your name to be proclaimed throughout all the earth. And I want that as well. So the question we ask ourselves is when we pray for God's blessing upon us, do we pray for God's blessing upon us in order that his name may be made famous among the nations? Do we pray that God would bless this church in order that this church could be a vehicle to preach the gospel to the nations? I deeply desire for Woodside Bible Church Chesterfield to be a sending church, to be a church where we send those who are best out into the missions and into the world in order to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That's our call as the church is to help make the name of Jesus Christ famous throughout the entire world. That's why we at Woodside, we, we, one of our main focuses is that we want to reach the world for Christ. That's one of our deepest desires. And one of the ways you contribute to that each and every week is by giving them the tithes and the offerings. And as you faithfully give, we utilize those finances in order to reach the world for Christ. And if you've looked at the news lately, if you've looked at, at what is happening in the world lately, the world needs the gospel more than ever before. Because we're starting to see just how depraved humanity is. And the world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we think when God blesses us with an extra paycheck or when God blesses us with, uh, with some sort of a raise at work or whatever sort of blessing that we get, do, is our first thought, how can I bless the nations? How can I pr help proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the nations? You know, guys, I'm, I'm kind of taking you on a journey that I'm going on right now myself. You know, growing up in Traverse City, Michigan, that was a pretty big, small little bubble. <laughs> I lived in Traverse City, vacation destination. Uh, I didn't really see any different peoples at all in Traverse City. Didn't really have any different ethnicities or, or anything like that with, within Traverse City as I was growing up. And, and as, I, as I got a little older, I got to go on a short-term missions trip over to Guatemala and, and to see that there are different parts of the world. Now, I hadn't come to Christ at that point, but the Lord has used that to show me that, that the world is a bigger place than just Traverse City. The world is a bigger place than just Chesterfield. The world is a bigger place than just Detroit. And we have to do things and read things and, and, and study and know that the world is much larger than us. And we have to think, how can we bless the nations? How can we make the Lord's word proclaimed throughout the world? And so we pray for blessings in order that we may bless others. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to forget the message that we have. It's easy to forget that if you were saved 20 years ago or even 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago, what the gospel of Jesus Christ actually is. 
We're going to talk next week about the gospel and how we have to continue to go back to the gospel and that the gospel is alive and that we are called not to be ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. We're going to talk about that next week. But as we think about the gospel, we have to remember that gospel means good news. And it's the good news that you are not stuck in your sin. It's the good news that you are not stuck under the righteous judgment of God. It's the good news that there's more to live for in this world than the daily grind. It's the good news that there's a way to right relationship with God. And and we have to proclaim that. If you think about that word good news, it, 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 the, the people used to come into the cities, the, the, the town crier or the person who gave the message would come in and say gospel. And normally it'd be we have victory or, or something like that. But the reality of this is what we see here with the gospel. It, it'd be as if there was a town that was condemned because of their sinful, wicked deeds and they were going to be destroyed. And a messenger came into the town and said, the king has decided to pardon this town completely from its utter destruction and doom. That's the good news. And the world needs to know this news. So we ask God to bless us in order that we can be a blessing. The second thing we see is a call for God's praise among all the nations. Look at 67, 3 and 5. This is really the center of the text. And verse 4 is really the focus, the way this structure is. It's a chiastic structure. And what that means simply is normally you would see things go A, B, C, period, A, B, C. With this, it goes A, B, C, C-B-A. And the C is the center of focus. It's like an arrow pointing to this is the point of this text. And it's surrounded by these two phrases in three and five. It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Can we say amen to that? Can we truly say that all the peoples praise God? Can we truly say that all the peoples proclaim his name? Kiddos, if you can get a heart for the world right now, and very simply, you want Jesus to be made known with everybody everywhere. Because there are people everywhere who desperately need him. And so if we can remember in our homes to teach our kiddos about the nations and teach our kiddos about the world, maybe you do times in your home where you have a night where you teach them about a specific country and give them food and then you take time and you pray for that nation together. Maybe you do those types of things, but just giving our kiddos global perspective in this time and that all the peoples would praise our God. You know, this really should be the goal of our lives. The goal of our lives should be that God would get praise. The goal of our lives should be that God's name would be made famous because that is God's intention in the world. If we look at Psalm 67, really what we see God doing here is this, is that he intends to be known, praised, enjoyed, feared, and reverenced among the nations. God intends to be known, praised, enjoyed, and reverenced among all the nations. That's God's desire. God's desire is for his name to be made great, and that's okay because he is the greatest possible being. If he offered praise to anything else, that'd be idolatry because God is the greatest possible being. It's okay for him to desire praise and glory, and we must give it to him. And the way we do that is by more and more and more and more people knowing Jesus and knowing that our lives are about praising and worshiping him. 
If we had to sum up the story of the Bible in one sentence, I think it'd be this. It's God's passion to make his name famous and be worshiped among his people for his glory and our salvation. God's passion to make his name famous and be worshiped among all peoples for his glory and our salvation. That's the story of the Bible. It's God's story for his glory. That's what the word of God is. And missions is about worship and praise. Uh, Pastor John Piper, a a, a very well-known pastor and author in Minnesota who has written some phenomenal books, Pleasures of God, Desiring God. And another one that he wrote on missions is called Let the Nations Be Glad. If you haven't read Let the Nations Be Glad, make sure you pick up a copy of Let the Nations Be Glad. It's an incredible book on God's purpose for missions. And if you're somebody who's like, well, I'm not going to read a whole book, well, then pick up the nations, be glad, and read chapter two. Buy the book so that it supports the ministry, and then read chapter two. It's an incredible, incredible chapter about the mission and work of God. What John Piper says about missions is this. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. Amen? Amen. If we can realize that God is ultimate and not man, it will change our entire perspective on life. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white, hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goals of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. The gladness of the peoples, all nations, in the greatness of God. Man, what if we got excited about our relationship with God again? Some of us may be. What if we got excited about our relationship with God again? Man, I don't know if you, you guys remember, those of you who are married, uh, when, you, when you met that girl for the first time. I remember when I met my Stacy Joy for the first time and I knew that she was the one that God would have me to marry. I had to tell all my buddies. I had to tell all my friends. I had to tell everybody about this girl that I met. Because she changed my life. What if we had that kind of excitement more so even about our relationships with God? Because God is ultimate. And God is the one who offers grace and salvation. He's the one who gives that good news. We hold the key to change somebody's eternity. Wow. Grasp that. We hold the key to change somebody's eternity. And our mouths opening up and proclaiming the gospel and talking to our friends and building relationships, that could change their eternity. I mean, people get excited about stuff that changes their lives. I told you a few weeks ago about when I discovered the magic eraser. I had to proclaim it to everybody. You got to go buy yourself a magic eraser. Change your life. Takes away all those stains on the walls. Especially if you have kids. You got to get that off when they draw the crayon on there so you can love them better. That's a magic, yeah, exactly, so she was there when I talked about it, you guys know, just get it wet. I used to use it without wetting it, and I used to think they didn't work, and then finally Brent showed me one day, you have to wet it and wring it out. 
Yeah, yeah. There's something else. But what is it you have proclaimed as a life changer more than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it that diet pill? Is it that workout routine? Is it that book? Is it that whatever? May the gospel of Jesus Christ be the thing which we proclaim most loudly and the glory of God be the thing that we seek most fervently. It will change everything in our lives. So we're looking at this text. We're seeing that God's people are asking him to bless them so that they can bless the nations. So that his name may be praised. And finally, we get to the crux of this passage. Psalm 67, 4. And what we see is that we celebrate God's rule over the nations. You see, that's what this, this is all about here. We're seeing praise happen. Uh, we're seeing God's name being made famous. We're seeing God's people being blessed. And we're seeing the nations being glad. Why? Well, it says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Uh, this is the pinnacle of the prayer. This is like that point in the song where, where the drums start going and the music starts driving and the voices start raising and you, you all stand together and you proclaim, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? For you judge the peoples with equity. Well, that's an interesting point to come after this crescendo. For you judge. Whoa, no, don't say that word. For you judge the peoples with equity. He is a fair judge. How many of us know that in this world, sometimes there's a different set of rules for certain people than other people? You may have heard it called the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. But when we think about God and his return, and we think about his judgment, it is equal. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how young you are, how old you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic standard you have. It doesn't matter what your background is. It matters who our God is, and we are all on the same level playing field, held to the exact same standard, and that standard is perfection. So everybody fails. <laughs> Everybody fails. That's the reality. Wow, that was a depressing sermon. <laughs> Yet, how does God bless the nations through his people? You know, back when God came to Abram and he made him the father of many nations, he said, I'm going to bless the world through you. Well, how did he do that? Well, the Jesus Storybook Bible told us that there would be one day where there was another baby who came, a baby who was born to a virgin, a baby whose name was Jesus, and his name was called Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He was called Emmanuel because he is God with us, and he will judge and rule rightly. And the way to perfection, that relationship, is by dying to ourselves. The way to perfection in that relationship is complete surrender to God. I am not going to be a church that tells you that all you have to do is say a prayer in order to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Now that prayer, that prayer is a catalyst by which we come to relationship with Jesus Christ. Yet our lives are going to change. You die the day you proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. I got the privilege to do a wedding this weekend. And I, I got to say to the groom before he went out uh, to marry his bride, I said, you represent Jesus Christ in this marriage. And today you die. In sacrificial love. Not because he's marrying this amazing and beautiful woman that he got to join together with and this beautiful thing that is called marriage and this beautiful, awesome relationship that can be there if God calls you into it. Also, singleness is a beautiful calling as well. But, but uh, this idea of that men die in the marriage relationship representing Jesus Christ, we die and we live through Christ. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So when you become a Christian, you say, listen, today I die. I died today. I actually was crucified with Christ. Praise the Lord, I didn't have to hang on the cross with him. But I actually get crucified with him. I deny everything in my life. I deny absolutely everything in my life besides living for the glory of God and the worship and praise of his name. That's being a Christian. That's what a Christian is. It's denying everything in our lives besides living for the glory and praise and worship of our God. Now we can do that in our daily lives, in our workplaces, in our businesses, in our relationships, in everything, and it changes every aspect of our lives. You know, we serve a righteous judge who's returning and he rules and he reigns. And one day he's coming back to make all things new. You may wonder, why does it matter so much that God rules? Well, I'll share an illustration with you here. You know, uh, on Friday nights at the Hannah household, we do family movie nights. And we've been, uh, <laughs> you guys do that too. Uh, we, we've been introducing our kids to different movies and and one of the movies we introduced them to most recently was the Disney Robin Hood. Um, and and this, this story of Robin Hood. And the story of Robin Hood is that there's a rightful king. His name is King Richard. And what happens is that King Richard, he goes and he goes and fights on the Crusades. And, and while King Richard is gone, his brother, Prince John, steps into the stead. And what Prince John does to these people he taxes them to death. And if they can't pay their taxes, they're thrown in jail. He abuses them. He uses them. There's injustice. People are thrown in jail because they can't pay taxes that are above what are righteous. You know, there's a dire point in the movie where all of these townspeople are in jail because they couldn't do what the ruler said. But then at the end of the movie, King Richard comes home. He imprisons Prince John. He frees the townspeople. And he establishes order and justice. And the movie ends where all the townspeople are crying out, Long live King Richard. Because a righteous king is worth serving. 
A righteous king is worth praising. A righteous king is worth giving your life to. And that is our God. That is our God. So we get the opportunity to answer the question of who we're going to honor as king in our lives. Is it going to be us? Am I going to rule my own world? Or am I going to surrender my life to the King of kings and Lord of lords, the righteous judge who rules and reigns rightly? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I want to ask you to enter into that relationship today. What you're saying in your heart is that I deny everything else in my life, and my goal is to live for Jesus Christ, his glory, and his praise with everything I am. If you're somebody who's been forgiven of your sins but never have taken the step to say, my life's about the glory of God, maybe you've never even heard that. My life's about God's praise and worship. I want to challenge you to start getting a heart for the nations. Start getting a heart for your neighborhoods and your networks that you're currently in, but also a heart for the nations. Because we as the people of God can ask for a blessing of God in order that his name may be praised among all the peoples and all the nations. So this morning, we get the opportunity to uh, sing two different songs where we get to proclaim what this text says. The first song is for the people of God. It's a blessing. It's a song from Numbers chapter 6. So this is for the people of God. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the words of this song are not currently true of you. But if you do surrender your life to Jesus Christ, this blessing is for you. But this is a blessing to be received by the people of God. And the second is that we proclaim and praise the name of the Lord our God. And so as you do this, ask the Lord to put in your heart a burning passion for his name to be made famous among all peoples. Ask the Lord that he would bless us in order that we could be a blessing to the nations. So let's stand together and let's proclaim his name. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.